Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. Are you ready to receive the Word this morning? Uh, If I don't know you, my name is Josh Barnett, and I'm a youth and associate pastor here and help lead our young adult group, and I teach at our Christian school and our Leaders Academy internship and all that, so um, now you know me. Okay, Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Acts 17, verses 1 through 7. It says, Paul and Silas arrived at Thessalonica as they customarily did. They went to the synagogue to speak to the Jews from the Torah scrolls. For three weeks, Paul challenged them by explaining the truth and proving to them the reality of the gospel, that the Messiah had to suffer and die, then rise again from among the dead. He made it clear to them saying, I come to announce to you that Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah. Some of the Jews were convinced that their message was true, so they joined Paul and Silas along with quite a few prominent women and a large number of Greeks who worship God. But many of the Jews were motivated by bitter jealousy and formed a large mob out of troublemakers, unsavory characters, and street gangs to incite a riot. They set out to attack Jason's house, for he had welcomed the apostles in his home. The mob was after Paul and Silas and sought to take them by force and bring them out to the people. When they couldn't find them, they took Jason instead, along with some of the brothers in his house church, and dragged them before the city council. Along the way, they screamed out, those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. And now Jason and these men have welcomed them as guests. They're traitors to Caesar, teaching that there is another king named Jesus. Hmm, come on. Come on. Our theme this year, obviously, is kingdom of God. We've been talking about it the last few weeks, and I want to talk about this right here, what we're called to do, what supernaturally turns the world, uh, what they said turns the world upside down. It's actually turning the world right, back, right side up. We're in the process of redeeming the planet, redeeming creation, redeeming people by proclaiming that there is another king, and his name is Jesus. And so we're talking about the kingdom of God this year. And one point I made on the panel that I'm going to unpack this year or uh, unpack today is that, that, that if we're living in a kingdom, there is a king and you're not it. <laughs> you're not the king. We swear allegiance to the king that we're following, which is really cool because like we're, we're in this treason now against the world like these guys. Like we're, we're the troublemakers that are turning the world upside down. We're the troublemakers that are turning this city right side up. And, and we're winning this war not by uh, 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 human weapons, but by just proclaiming the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. That Jesus came and he defeated darkness. He defeated the devil. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Go ye therefore making disciples of all nations. Come on. So that's what, like, that's what we're doing now is like we swear allegiance to this king. He's got all the authority of everything. And like we're his ambassadors. We've been given the, mess, the, the ministry of reconciliation. We're reconciling people and the planet unto him. And he says, make disciples of nations, baby. Come on, turn this whole thing around. And that's what we're doing. And like get your hopes up today that we are following a king that's already won the war. He's already won. All we have to do is proclaim to the nations that Jesus is king and you watch lives get changed. (laughs) 
this kingdom. Uh, actually, Miles Monroe wrote a book called The Kingdom of God, and he describes the kingdom in these terms. He says, a kingdom is the sovereign rulership and governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his intent, his purpose, manifesting a culture and society reflecting the king's nature, values, and morals. A kingdom is the governing impact of a king's will over a territory or domain, his influence over a people, and a government led by the king. And there's really, man, there's really two points I want to unpack today. Number one is there's a king and you're not it. And number two, this year as our focus is the kingdom of God, let us not get the kingdom without the king. Because you can get the kingdom without the king. And I'm going to unpack that for us here today. You can actually get the kingdom without the king. Colossians chapter 1 Verses 13 through 20 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and he made the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. He existed before anything else. And he, Jesus, holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Christ, God reconciles everything to himself. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is a kingdom that we are building. We are not in charge of it. We answer to one king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is king of us. I think sometimes we, we, we make up our own plans or we, try to, we build our own empires and we try to incorporate God. But it's his plans that he has for us. We don't like live our own lives and then ask God to bless it. We surrender everything we are to the king. The, the one command that's found in all four gospels, the only command that's found in all four gospels is if any man desire to, sa- desire to save his life, he will lose it. But if he'll lose his life for my sake, he'll find true life. Therefore, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. See, many people want to live in the kingdom, but few few people know that it takes crucifixion to get there. Many people want the blessings of the kingdom, but they don't want the death that it takes to enter in resurrection life. There's got to be a death to yourself. Resurrection, kingdom, abundant life comes to you not being you anymore. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And it, like... You're only going to experience the fullness of the kingdom by completely submitting yourself to him. Completely submitting yourself to his rule and his reign in your life and allowing the king of glory to come in and bring order to your chaos. Bring order to your heart. Bring order to your mind. We've got to surrender everything that we are. We are are representing him, not ourselves. This gospel, this kingdom, what we're living in, it's not about how awesome we are, it's about how awesome he is. (laughs) He is the good news. And even, and listen, I'm all for inviting people to church, but understand you're not inviting people to encounter us. You're inviting people to encounter him. I don't want you to come to church to hear me preach. Now, if God works through me and you encounter something through his word, that's totally awesome. But understand, we are gathering to worship the king, not Josh Barnett or Paul Kerner, Tim Brooks. We are gathering to worship Jesus. The good news of the kingdom is Jesus, not Christian ministries. He is the good news, but oftentimes we try to make it about ourselves. 
But understand the whole reason that we gather is to focus on him, is to focus on the kingdom. Living in the kingdom implies there is a king. We can't have the fullness of the kingdom without the king. My encouragement to you this year as we, as we are learning about the kingdom of God is chase the king and you'll get the kingdom. Go after him and you get the kingdom, you know, <laughs> because, because the king is the kingdom. You get peace from him. You get joy from him. When you go after him, you get the kingdom. And one of the scary things about God's law is you can obey it and it works. Why is that scary? It's because you can do what he says and not get him. Let me prove it to you. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hmm. You can live for him without knowing him. You can live for him without knowing him. And, and, and <laughs> the word he uses here, like, I never knew you. The word he uses, it's, it's the same, it's the same word, the Greek word used in Revelation to talk about the, the, the bridegroom knowing his bride. It's intimate bridal language. It's like, I never knew you. God knows about you. He created you. He knows all about you, but he's looking for covenant relationship with him. He's looking for intimacy with him. He's looking that you would draw close to him and know him. He's not saying, I never knew about you. He's saying, I didn't know you like I wanted to know you, like you're supposed to know me. And you were doing things in my name without my permission? Away from me, evildoers. Well, evildoers, we were prophesying. We were healing the sick. We were casting out demons. We were doing many wonders in your name. See, apart from him, God calls it lawlessness. The dangerous thing about the kingdom is that, it is that oftentimes it works without him. Now, you don't get the fullness without him, but we gotta understand that God designed life to work a certain way. And you can actually live and design, be blessed without him. You can, you can tithe and your finances be blessed and you not have a relationship with the Lord. You can, you can, let me say it this way. You can obey all the commands and still go to hell. Yeesh. You can tithe, your finances be blessed, still go to hell. You can love your enemies and still go to hell. You can welcome the little children and not lead them astray and still go to hell. You could be a servant leader, you can prophesy, you can heal the sick and cast out demons and you can still go to hell. Why? Because the Lord is looking for a relationship. He's looking for a relationship. He's looking for that. And, and if you, man, if you get the principles without the prince. But listen, like it, it's kind of a weird thing because you can, <laughs> you, can, you can live in the kingdom oftentimes without the king. But it's impossible to live with the king and not get the kingdom. Because when you live with the king, he always brings the kingdom with him. When you live in, he is peace. He is righteousness. He is joy in the Holy Ghost. The king is the kingdom. And we were not designed to live apart from relationship with him. Focusing on him is what makes his kingdom come and his will be done on earth. And perhaps, you know, Maybe we've seen 
a lack of miracles because we've made it about us or we've made it about the miracle and not about him. Because if he's in the room, miracles are going to happen. The kingdom is not about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. He wants to, he wants to partner with us. He's actually entrusted us to build his kingdoms, but we have to die to ourselves in order to build it. We are not here to establish our own empire and say it's blessed by him. The kingdom is about him. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who recognize how much they need God. That's what that means, poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their neediness for God, their poverty without him. Blessed are those who recognize how much they need him. And he is the king, and he demands it all. And I said this last week, he's not just after relationship, he's after ownership. He's after ownership. And, and Tim talked about a few weeks ago, it's like we get caught up kind of the, in this, this dualistic lifestyle where we think we can separate spiritual from physical, where we can live like two like dualistic lifestyles almost, and that's, that's not the way that God designed it. You know, it's the old, the old saying, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's after ownership. He's after the whole thing. He's after every part of your heart. The, the reason, the, the, he says the most important command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So you love him with everything that you are. And the reason that that's his number one command is because that's what he desires most. What God desires most is, is your love, your life, your heart, your mind, your job, your calling, your purpose. He desires all of it. It's all unto his glory. <laughs> he demands it all. He's the only one worthy of it all. He's worthy of every part of our life. Who else is worthy? He's worth everything. When you see how good he is, you're willing to give it all up for him. <laughs> man, when I saw how nasty I was and how good he was, I wanted all in, man. All in. We've got to encounter Jesus for who he really is. And he's not some self-help guru. He's the king of glory. He's the ancient of days. He's the one who's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't look like defeated Jesus on the cross. He's got eyes like fire and hair like wool, feet like brass, a voice that sounds like the rush of many waters. When John, when John encounters him in Revelation chapter one, that's the Jesus that we serve. And when jo John the beloved, John his first cousin, John his best friend, when he encountered this man he knew his whole life, this man that he was best friends for, for three years, when he encountered this man, he fell dead. It says he fell as if he were dead and could not move. We have to fall at his feet as if we were dead. Because it's when John fell like that, when he saw the Christ, who he was, and the fear of the Lord hit him so hard that he fell at his feet, then Jesus comes and touches him and says, get up, come up here so you can see what must take place. That's how we see the, the kingdom for what it really is. When we fall at his feet dead, then he comes and he touches us and he brings us back to life and he says, come up here, let me show you what must take place after this. Come on. Jesus wasn't meant to be an add-on or an addendum to our life. We were meant to be obsessed with him, all in, for, all in for him. Could we get the David revelation in Psalms 27 that says, there's one thing that I ask, 
And one thing that I seek, Lord, that I could dwell in your house all the days of my life, just to gaze upon your beauty. Not for what you can do for me, not so that you can bless my business, but not so you can bless my little family, but just to gaze at how beautiful you are. Psalms 84, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. May I be the gatekeeper at his house rather than live lavishly in the house of the wicked all the days of my life. Come on, man. This is Jesus, our king. He's not our sidekick. He's not our buddy. He's our friend, yes, but he's our master. The New Testament describes Jesus as our savior 25 times, but it describes him as Lord over six hundred times. He is Lord. He is God. He's not a word. He's the word of God. He's everything that God had to say about himself. Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 says that he is the exact expressed image of the invisible God. That is Jesus and he demands it all from us. But if you see how good he is, man, it just, I count it all as loss. I throw in everything, man. And man, when you do, he's so good. When you do, you live in the kingdom. When you get him, it's heaven on earth, baby. Like it doesn't matter what your circumstances are like because you got him and the fullness of joy. Man, we can't do this without him. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. This is the most important question that Jesus ever asked. Who do you say the son of man is? And he didn't just ask his disciples this, he's asking us this. Who do we say that he is? Because our answer about that question determines everything about us. Not just our life now, but our eternity to come. Who do you say that he is? Does your, does your life reflect who you say that he is? Because maybe it's not just the words that come out of your mouth, it's the actions. It's the way that you're living your life right now is who he says, he, who, who your life, how you're living, your workplace, your family, how you spend your time, your money, your resources, how you entertain yourself, you are saying who the Lord of your life is. Is he Lord over all of it? Is he Lord of your secret life? We all have a secret place. It's in our secret place that we really see the God that we worship. He's after all of it. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God. Because that answer not only determines where you spend eternity, but also the life that you live now. So what do you do in response to him? It's not merely to absorb information about him. He demands a response. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do we say that he is? He is our savior. 
but he's Lord. He's so much more than a man. He's so much more than a teacher or a prophet. He is God in flesh. He's the only one to live in sinless obedience to the Father. Nothing matters more than the way that we respond to him. Nothing matters more. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's the son of God and the son of man. He's the son of David. He's the bridegroom and the judge. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the ancient of days. He's the high priest. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He's the hope of the world, the living word, the bread from heaven, the bread of life, the Messiah, the Savior, eternal life. John 17 says to know him is eternal life. He's the light of the world, the good shepherd. He is the way the truth and the life. He's the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, and the life with the Father. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world were laid. He is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is everything. He's everything. He's the only thing that matters. He's the one thing. There's not a need to change the subject. He is the subject. And as this year we're talking about teaching about the kingdom, please don't miss the king. As we start this year, don't miss the king, man. Wednesday night, I'm, I'm, I'm doing part two of our parable series. I'm starting the parable of the sower. And it's so important. You should be there. It's gonna be really good. Tim said if I got it wrong, he would correct me. So... But Jesus said about the parable of the sower that if you don't get this one, you won't get the rest of them. But man, may we not get the kingdom without the king. Let's get the king. Jesus is, is everything. And man, in our culture today and even in a bunch of churches, dude, it's like G you need Jesus and something else. That's heresy. And it's not Jesus and anything or Jesus minus anything. It's just Jesus. It's Jesus, he's our hope. He's our hope, not the next election. He's our hope. Not the economy, not the stock market. He's our hope. Not your spouse, not your children. He is our hope. Not the next generation, it's him. It's not Jesus and something. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Because a Republican in the White House doesn't solve the moral heart of man. Surely, yeah, they can implement some laws that reflect the heart of God, but if the law is not written on the heart of man, man's not going to follow them. Jesus has to come and transform our hearts. He came to bring dead men back to life. And if we're not brought back to life, regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no way that we're going to live moral. There's no way that we can get this right if, he, if, he does, if the Holy Spirit's not convicting me and writing his laws on my heart and empowering me to obey him. I'm all for godly people being in office. But if they're just using godly and Christian in front of their name, but their knees aren't bowed to the feet of Jesus, then they're just going to come up with more humanistic, issues, humanistic solutions to solve spiritual problems. Our nation has a spiritual problem, not political problems. What you're seeing politically is just fruit of the spiritual issues. And you absolutely should vote, 100%. You should vote pro-life, first of all. If you don't, Psalm says that you have fellowship with demons. 
God bless you. Absolutely we should vote, but it should be voting for people who bow their knee before the Lord. Who say that Jesus is king. He is king. Darkness only bows to one name. Jesus. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is God's plan to redeem all of fallen creation. He is the solution to sin, to darkness, to decay. He is the bringer of freedom, of light, of life. Our response is simply bowing to his lordship, learning to abide and remain in him. Philippians chapter two, verses eight through 11 says, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. even death on the cross. Therefore, God has also exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Men, as we're, as we're doing life this year, as we're teaching on the kingdom of God. As we're, you know, even as we're gathering on Sundays and Wednesdays and going to connect group and going to youth group and kids church and different things like, man, we've all got, it's gotta be centered around him. It's all gotta be about Jesus. It's all gotta be about him. And maybe, maybe my caution is, is don't make the kingdom and don't make church about you. Don't make church about you. Don't make worship about you. We all need to sing more hymns. I can point you to plenty of churches that sing enough hymns. We all need to be a little bit nicer when you preach. I can point you to many of tight gene pastors on social media that are nice. that still aren't meeting in person, by the way, because they're controlled by fear. It's wild. It's wild. First lady said she's unbelievable. Yeah. When we come in and we worship Jesus, it's not about us and it's not, a, Lucas doesn't pick my favorite songs either. And I'm his best friend. I send him songs all the time. He didn't play them. We, when, when we make the set list, we don't have you in mind. God bless you. We don't have you in mind when we make the set list. Jesus, how do you want to be worshiped today? What songs does our body need to, and, 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 and when Tim pick, pick, when he prays about and has the Holy Spirit lead him to pick a theme or pick a vision, there, it's not a committee meeting about what do you think the vision should be this year? What does God want the vision for Christian Ministries Church to be? <laughs> well, man, we're worshiping. I, man, we just, we're standing so long, my feet hurt. Good. Good. I want them to hurt. Worship costs you something today then. I don't want to ever want to bring worship to Jesus that doesn't cost me anything. How empty and 
we want it to be convenient and comfortable. And my goodness, like I can't, Lucas is singing that bridge over and over and over. We are going to continue to sing it over and over and over and over and over again because we're not singing it to you and to appease your flesh. We're going to sing it for all eternity because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of these songs that we're singing. He's worthy of every line that we sing forever and ever and ever and ever. And actually doesn't even do enough justice to sing it. Look, like when I come into worship, like I want to hold my hands up to my shoulders are on fire. Because I want it to cost me something. When I leave worship, I want to be absolutely exhausted because I went all in. Because he's worthy of me laying my body out. Not even because of the good things that he's done for me, but because he is the king of the universe, man. And I'm not. I want my knees to bleed because I've been on them for so long. I want to lose my voice because I want it to be a sacrifice because he's worthy of it. I don't ever want to make worship about me and how easy it is for me and how convenient it is for me and the songs that I like. I want it to be about him. I want to bring an offering. I want to break open my alabaster jar. I want to throw it all in. I don't want to just give 10%. I want to give all of it away. I don't want cute services. Bless our little hearts. I want Jesus, man. And he doesn't do half-hearted. He's looking for people who go all in. He's looking for people who go all in. Well, I don't know about that, brother. Well, you stay right where you're at then. I'm going all in. Because he's my king. Not myself. He is. Well, well, well you can only, you know, you've got to end by 12, Josh, because people have pot roast. Burn the pot roast. He's worthy. We're preaching the word right now. This is worship. We got places to be and people to see and people to meet and we got, thing, we got things to do. I'm throwing my schedule on the altar. It's you, Lord. It's about you, Jesus. You're the king. You're the king. Don't let me box you in. I know you're going to have to think about this. And some of you already got answers. You got things that you want to say to me. If you do, please use this. God bless you. Uh, Lucas, will y'all come out? Uh, We're going to end in worship today too. Can we get to that place? Like David, there's no place I'd rather be. Oh, my kids are restless. When I got stuff, whatever, surrender it to the Lord, man. Surrender it to the Lord. I want to turn cities and nations upside down by proclaiming that there's another king. I want to go all in because he's my king.
And man, can we love each other? Can we love each other? Can we not worry about petty stuff? Petty stuff. Somebody's probably offended because I prayed in tongues on stage earlier. You think I'm weird? I pray in the spirit. I think you're weird that you don't. Can we get over like our petty indifferences and, under, and, and, and understand that we come under the name of Jesus to lift him high, to exalt him, to worship him, that it's not about me and it's not about you, it's about him. He's the head of the body. I want Lucas and Cam and Savannah. Man, I love having Savannah here. Savannah's one of our high point counselors and she was in town and she's helping us lead worship today. And I wanna end a few minutes just worshiping him. We all stand with me. And listen, if you've got a meeting, go. Like if you like, well, I had a schedule of somewhere. Now you, you know, you browbeat me and I'm going to feel guilty if I walk out. <laughs> We're not, the doors aren't locked. <laughs> and I say this all the time, but I'd rather you leave happy than stay mad. So, you know, you, you, you got something in the oven, it's about to burn your house down. Go, please, pull it out of the oven. I just, I, 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 the only thing I'm doing is I want to move us into a place where our hearts, our whole hearts, are completely surrendered to King Jesus. And that's what we're doing. I want your whole life. I, don't, I, want, I want Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday to look like it's surrendered to Jesus, not just Sunday morning from 1030 to 1145. Amen. Let's sing this out, Lucas. Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.